Welcome to the To Faithful Men podcast. This project started in 2006 to preserve old sermon and study tapes of Wiley Flanagan, Hassel Wallace, and Mike Strevel. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Sharpen our appetite to know and feed our souls as we yield to your word that we might grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, to understand the kingdom, its greatness. Help us to know it's the center of attraction in your Bible. Help us, Lord, to be appreciative of the fact that you have placed us in it by your grace. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And amen. All right, the first thing now, uh, let's listen to this statement again. You just have to listen to this statement. Dear child of God, the kingdom of God may for long seasons appear insignificant, yet be sure it is a reality that it is destined to visually dominate the world. God, indeed, will someday rule over all. Now, you'd ask yourself this question here in relation to that. That's just, that's just up to you now. I know what I've read is so. I know the Scripture backs it up. If you take the kingdom of God out of the Bible, you absolutely leave it empty. So, you just have to ask yourself. I mean, you ask yourself that question, I'm going to read that statement again, and you just relate it to your own life. <clears throat> Dear child of God, the kingdom of God may for long seasons appear insignificant. Yet be sure it is a reality that is destined to visually dominate the world. God indeed will someday rule over all. If you believe that, you'll, you'll make it. I want to say this and pass on in conversation sometime with people. You can tell they absolutely do not know how to apply the word of God to their life. They go to church, they stagger along, and they think they know everything, but they are absolutely destitute of the fact of knowing how to apply the Word of God to their life. They, they make up their own thing, they feel about going to church, but right in the midst of it, they, they are, they're saying God is alive, but living as though he's dead. Just that I don't know how to do that, I don't know how to break into that, but it's a terrible thing. Now, uh, anyone that's in this congregation that goes through life struggling down and out, I wouldn't face too much in that. Uh, you know, there's a way for me to say that with my lips and live as though it's a lie. So it's not just, that's what Paul said. We studied that when we went through Acts. Acts 27, 25. The angel come and give a message and Paul said, and I believe God. It's going to be just exactly like he said. Well, now God ain't going to send us no angels in all probability, but he inspired some men a long time ago to put the message in here. Now, when Paul covered the field when he said, For I believe God, it just wasn't when the angel come, but we know by his life that whatever God said, he is ready to act. Well, that's a great power for anyone to know how to apply it to life. No, no one graduates. But it's, it's wonderful just to ask my own self, how great a believer am I? Okay, the, the study sheet that uh, 
And I handed out this morning, I want to read through that and then finish up the page on page two of the uh, study sheet that I handed out last Sunday. Today is seeking to know the kingdom of God. <clears throat> and as I read this, well, what my thought in that statement will develop. Seeking to know the kingdom of God. Number one, what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is the rule of God. Number two, the kingdom of God is God's reign, God's rule, God's authority, God's sovereignty. Number three, the kingdom of God is the redemptive work of God, active in history for the defeat of his enemies, bringing to his people the blessings of the divine rule. Any time that you hear me make the expression, the divine rule, why you can, the, the thing that should flood your mind is that that's the kingdom of God. Any time that you hear me make a statement about the kingdom of God, you may know that the basic thought is the rule of God. But out of that develops much more thinking. And you never get to the place to where you say, I've defined it, and no more can be said. You don't get to that place, but you get to places where it grows bigger and bigger, and uh, statements can be added to your thinking. And this is what this is here. We start out here with the rule of God. Then it develops into the reign, rule, authority, and the sovereignty. And then it develops into the, to the redemptive work of God. When, when I say active in history, I'm talking about uh, in uh, Luke chapter 2 where Jesus Christ was born in a stable. That's, that's God. God is before history. God is above history. And God is beyond history. But God broke into history in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ to perform that decisive act for the redemption of his people. That's all about the kingdom of God. So we develop here. And then, then the number four is that the kingdom of God is the divine redemptive rule of God manifested in Christ. Now, that's not all that can be said about the kingdom of God. That's not saying I've got in a nutshell and can have it defined, but it is saying I know what it is. And it's not the church either. <clears throat> I note, I don't know I said note. Based upon the above statement, we may say that the kingdom of God is the divine unfathomable, unalterable decisions of God active in history through Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, when I talk about the kingdom of God, I'm getting it down pretty close when I can say it's the, it's, it is these unchangeable, unalterable, unfathomable decisions of God. When you, when you when you get the rule of God and the decisions of God springing from the rule of God, you're getting it down pretty close. The work of the kingdom is nothing more than the will of God in action. <clears throat> I tell you that ought to do something for anybody that's born again. It's the most distressing, unwelcome thinking on earth to a person that's not born again because he can't see it. You don't know what you're talking about, and it's some kind of a weird thinking to them. So that ought to let us know whether we're born again or not today.
All right, number two. We're seeking to know the kingdom of God. Number two, the kingdom of God is at hand. We studied that in the first lesson. Matthew 3, 2, Mark 1, 14, 15, Matthew 10, 5 through 7. All of these verses end up saying that the kingdom of God is at hand. And right on that says, what truth is conveyed by this statement? What am I going to teach you? What truth am I going to teach you uh, that comes out of that statement that Jesus made, that John made it? For the kingdom of God is at hand. Okay, here's what, what I'm going to say. Right under there. The kingdom of God is at hand means that God's reign and his rule and his authority and his sovereignty is upon the earth in bodily form. That's awful important. You ought to underline that. In bodily form, in the person of Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, what did I want to say it that way for? It's simply because that the rule of God has always been in the earth. But it has not always been in the person of Jesus Christ the Lord on earth. You follow me in that? Now, if you don't, I want you to say something before I can go through that again. If I just look at that and I'm not thinking, I say, well, they must be appeared in there when God's kingdom wasn't active. There has never been a moment when the kingdom of God has not been active. But it was an awful long time before it become active in the bodily form in Jesus Christ upon this earth. So, when it says the kingdom of God is at hand, it means that this, uh, this great God, all that he is, his authority, his rule, his reign is now upon the earth in bodily form in the person of Jesus Christ the Lord. The kingdom of God is at hand. You understand that, Brother Robert? Does anybody don't understand that? I want you to believe that. Unwaveringly, I want you to believe that I've told you the truth that. Any questions? Christ said, I will give you another comforter. And that word another means one just exactly like I am. And the only difference there will be is you can't see this one. That's why the world will have nothing to do with him. But you know him. He's going to live with you. The kingdom of God is still at hand now, but it's in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is equal to Christ. Any questions about that? But we're talking about here there's something special that this this uh, this special way of the kingdom coming uh, is something different than it's ever been before. But we can't say now, because that Christ went back to heaven, that the kingdom of God ceases to be active in history. But it's another step in a different way. But we, but see, the, the, the shoving off point is that it's come. How did it come? It's in a person now. Ever been that way before? No. But had it ever been active before that? Yes. But now it's at hand in a special way. 
a decisive act is going to transpire in history. The death of Christ is a historical event. A divine mission from heaven working in history and it's now at hand. And what Nail has brought up is that we just see that. It's, and he went back, it's still active. It's bringing people into that rule. Any question? I believe it's awful important here to see this or stagger along the rest of our life in mental gymnastics, sitting up all night, puddling around about what the kingdom of God is. Any question? I want to read the statement again. The kingdom of God at hand means that God's reign and his rule and his authority and his sovereignty is upon the earth in bodily form in the person of Jesus Christ our Lord. Okay, let's read the note now that's under there. It is indeed a source of strength to know that God's kingdom is not of this age. Yet in Christ, the kingdom of God has come into history. God has done a new thing. He has visited his people in Jesus' mission, bringing to them the promised blessings of salvation. Indeed, the kingdom of God is of a higher order than of this world. John 18.36 says that. Christ says there that his kingdom is not of this world. Because he said, if it was of this world, my servants would fight to protect it. So we learn out of that not to condemn Christ's disciples when they went away. They did not specifically go away just because they're scared to death. He said, we're not going to fight for it. You go on. The scripture said it's you to go free. But I've been under the impression that they all got scared to death. But uh, Christ said here, didn't he? You read that, he'll, you'll see that he said that. My kingdom is not of this world, because if it was, my servants would fight for it. Well, the church is not to fight for it either. It's to live for the Lord in opposition to the world, but not to go through it scared to death. Okay, you read the verse, John 1836. It's a higher order than this world. The kingdom of God is the outworking of the divine will. It is the act of God himself. It is related to God's people and can work in and through them. But at all times it remains the fixed and unchangeable, movable rule of God. Therefore, no evil spirit force, no political power, no counsel of men, nor military scheme can hinder the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is the will of God in action when you see it from that standpoint. It's doing its will in the armies of heaven and, and upon earth. It is, it is the outworking of the divine will. If you see me over here in about two weeks working around on this building, that will be the outworking of my will. It's not a divine will, but my natural will. I'm doing what I will to do. Well, when God, when, when God's at work, that's the kingdom in action, the outworking of what God wills to do. Any questions about that? It's awfully important to know it.
If, uh, if y'all that come here regularly and that I thank so much of your faithfulness, if you're going to be a disciple, you're going to have to read what I'm handing out as you get home. And you're going to have to do a lot of meditating on it. If you meditate on this, you'll be saying exactly what I'm saying. I'm confident of that. I've been meditating on this sermon, on this subject for ten years, off and on, writing about it, talking about it, going back and reading about it. But I'm getting more out of it this time than I ever have before, and if I, if I try to keep on, I'll get more out of it. Nothing, nothing can hinder the kingdom of God. But things can hinder the church. Any questions about that? Okay, let's look at number three. Well, Job 23, 23, 13 says uh, that he's in one mind who can change it. Whatever he desires to do, he does that. That's what Job 23, 13 says. I made that note. Nothing can hinder what, what God wills to do. He puts it into activity unhindered. Do you believe that? The Bible's junk for that kind of information. I'll admit religion has denied it and, and weakened it down and trampled on it, but that won't change the truth. Because one day it's really going to be manifested. And I'm in on, I've been on schedule all the time. And you see now that it's all come to a great head. While people 2,000 years ago had waited for 2,000 years to just prophecy, 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 the Messiah is coming. The arm of the Lord is going to appear. A virgin shall have a child. And everybody had heard that so long and that cast it aside, trampled on it, and lost sight of it. But one night there in the stable, it come. And Anna was ready for it. She of was. Now that's where the world is now. It's going to sleep. Ha ha ha. I preacher talked about the future. That God's going to come back. Oh ho. But one day, out there somewhere, the heavens will light up with the glory of God just exactly like the Bible said it is. Now, will I believe God? Yes, ma'am. There's an awful lot of difference in being concerned and worried. Now, we're to be concerned about many things. But to have this uncontrollable worry is to say that God went to sleep. I believe he's up there, but he went to sleep on me, and I got to handle it myself. And a lot of churchgoers that's living that life. That's righteous, Joyce. There is no evil spirit force, no political power, no counsel of men, or military scheme can hinder the kingdom of God. Okay, let's read number three. The mystery of the kingdom. Matthew 13, 11, Mark 4, 11. Now, we studied those last time, and Christ said that uh, to the outsiders, uh, they wasn't, he wasn't, he, read, he was talking in parables, that uh, he didn't mean for them to know the new revelation, but he's, he's telling them about a mystery which is nothing more than a new revelation that Christ is telling them, and he's telling them in stories or parables. What is the mystery of the kingdom? What truth is conveyed by this statement? Well, let's read the statement now under that, and what I say about it. <clears throat> the mystery of the kingdom of God means 
the coming of the kingdom into history in the person of Jesus Christ in a way not revealed in the Old Testament. The mystery is a revelation of the dynamic activity of the kingdom of God to establish God's rule among men between the two advents of Christ. The rule of God between the two advents or between the two advents is indeed dynamic. Yet its spiritual content can be seen, heard, and understood only by born again people. And that last part ought to be underlined. I know that's true. That's read that's read that's read religion gets home home now is because that God not speaking from heaven during these outward miracles, and so we get to thinking it's not dynamic. It's just as dynamic now as should be the child of God uh, as it is when the, when the heavens light up. So it says, there on the last, uh, uh, this, uh, the rule of God between the two advents is indeed dynamic, yet its spiritual content can be seen, heard, and understood only by born-again people. John 3, 3 said of that. Very, very, I stand of thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see, that is, perceive, understand, uh, have any knowledge of the spiritual content of these expressions about God. Any questions about that? And then, uh, here in uh, Matthew uh, 13, 9 and 16, there, uh, it says in 13, 9, he that has an ear to hear, or how to see, let him do that. And then in 16, it talks about how blessed it is to have that ability to see in you. Now, the person that's born again, the kingdom of God, uh, is supposed to be enough enlightenment to make it dynamic. Any question about that? Now, I'm going to say this. Uh... Any person that's born again is in the sphere or the realm of the kingdom of God. A new birth puts you there. But if you ever enter into it, the responsibilities take over. And you have to study. And yes, it's work. It says that in this verse. Here, I'm going to preach about this verse right here, God willing, uh, two weeks from today. God being my helper. Getting in the kingdom through great tribulation. Entering into it. But you don't get in the sphere of it by what you do. You get into that by an act of God. No one can hinder it. And it fixes you where you can grow. Where you can see more. Where you can be a disciple. Where you can fight the good fight of faith. And it's a costly journey. How many lost their life over it? Fifty million. That's just a small amount. Entering, entering into it. I want to preach about that. If my throat allow me to, two weeks from today. But I, I, I just want you to know that now. If you're born again, you're in the sphere of the realm. You've been translated out of darkness into the kingdom of God by an act of God. You're his, you're not only holding the position of adoption, now he's actually come and got you. And put you in the sphere of his work. And he wants you 
to be a tremendous person spurred on by the dynamic activity of the will of God. Now don't tell me the kingdom of God is not the center of it all. Okay. Let's read the note. I'll finish that, we'll finish that page up. The note down there. The kingdom of God that is now working quietly among men shall indeed appear in a future act at the end of this age in visible power and great glory. Therefore we see that the kingdom of God involves two great moments. Now you've got to get this if you stay with it. The kingdom of God involves two great moments. Fulfillment within history, uh, fulfillment within history, and culmination at the end of history are completion. Present fulfillment without culmination is the single truth illustrated by the several parables of Matthew 13 and Mark 4. It is precisely this background which provides the settings for the parables on the kingdom of God. Alright? Now what I've said there, and Jesus began to talk in these little stories called parables, and he's telling it to them that he's going to reveal a new truth to them. What he's saying is that I'm going to show you a fulfillment now without completion. And every one of those parables brings that out. Every one of them brings God in complete control at the end of them. And the first one, we've already went through enough of us to see that God said a lot of people, and I'm telling you, is going to reject the message. But I'm telling you, all people are not going to reject my message. And the people that I transfer out of darkness, because of the realm of my rule called the kingdom of God, that's good ground. And some of them, every one of them, is going to bring forth some kind of good truth. Some more, some less, but all produces. That's what he's saying. But he's saying to everybody that believes that just because I'm not striking everybody dead, just because they don't believe, will is in grave deception. Because it's not going to be a universal strikedown at this time. Every one of them says a fulfillment now completion later on. And that's the background for those stories called the kingdom of God in Matthew 13 and Luke 4. Any questions? Okay. You do believe that? Are you sold out on that, ain't you? Uh, I'm sold out on that. Now it'll take about five minutes to read on page two of, the, of the, what I handed out last week. Now sit down. We need to finish that today or we can study about the tares and the wheat. The wheat growing among the weeds uh, next Sunday morning, the Lord willing. So here's what it says. <clears throat> Down about the middle of the page where it says no uh, is where I mark. This is indeed far from what the Jewish nation had expected. The Jews believed that the coming kingdom would mean the exercise of God's mighty power before which no man could stand, Daniel 2.44. Then we read that. And the, and, uh, and the uh, dominion of wicked rulers would be destroyed, Daniel 2.35. And 
and the kingdom be given to saints of the Most High God. Daniel 7.27. We read those. And that's what they're looking for. In apparent disagreement with the Old Testament promises, the kingdom come upon men, but not for the purpose of shattering evil or, or, or display irresistible power. Rather, it is like seed on the roadside, which never took root, or it may be superficially received, only to die, or it may be choked by the careers of the kindled age, which is hostile to the kingdom of God. However, the kingdom of God is never defeated. Remember that. The kingdom of God is never defeated or left without a witness, as we see in the good ground. Are you following me in that? God at no time has left himself witlessness. Never. Ever since that God spoke and this universe come into existence, there has been some some witness of some nature declaring uh, the divine character of an almighty being that we call God. And so, in the midst of all this preaching business, he's got some good ground. That's the children of God that's been brought in to the sphere of the rule of God, called the kingdom of God. Okay? Uh, as we see in the good ground, which through the miraculous rule of God produced good fruit to his glory. Uh, this will be in line more in another parable about this miraculous work of God. The kingdom of God may for long periods permit ungodly people to rebel and talk back, but it never permits them to have a last say. You can believe that. God will never permit any human being or spirit, devil and demons, to have the last say. Now they may get off in a corner, corner somewhere and bubble, but God knows our hearts. We will not have the last say. You believe that too, don't you? Now there's going to be a lot of stuff goes on that looks bad that we may not understand. Somebody may be cursing the Lord and killing the preacher, but he's not going to have the last say. The day is coming when the mighty rule of God will shatter every evil order and every evil authority and every lying one. First Corinthians fifteen twenty four says that. And it says there that Christ is going to reign up till that point. And then he's going to turn the kingdom over to God and what that means. Let us thank God for the blessings of eyes to see and ears to hear the mysteries of the kingdom of God, without which we would no doubt be as others offended in Jesus Christ our Lord. Matthew eleven six says, Now, after, after John sent these people, I want you to listen to this. He said, You go over and ask Christ, is he the one, or shall we look for another? Well, they went and Christ sent them back with a message. And he recommended that they need to receive that message, lest they be offended in him. Now, these people run around wondering and crying at God, why he don't do this and why he don't stop that, must be offended at him. But God is saying everybody will be offended if you don't understand my will. And he's saying that 
is it? Are you offended at him? Am I offended at God? I will be unless I understand his rules. And the only way I'm going to do that is to study. And the only way way I'm going to reach any conclusions out of that is to provide the word of truth in the right way. That's the only way I'll ever do it. To, 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 to somebody that don't know much about this, a lot of just like to understand God, and they have never read and never studied, and you bring a Bible and, and shove it out there. When you read that and you'll know it, you're deceiving that person. That person cannot abide their self, rightly divide the word of truth. God sent heaven. Philip, you know who you read about? And in Isaiah 53, how can I accept some man tell me about it? Now, I won't have to read the Bible. But they'll never get it all together without some help. If they do, then this Bible has lied. And then, if we have reached some solid ground, then the Bible says for us to earnestly contend for the faith of that truth. Jude, verse 3. So, do I believe God? Am I in the sphere of his rule? Do I understand the kingdom of God or understanding it? Do I love to stir the word of God and like for the preachers to bring it all together and let my soul rest upon it? Or am I just not much hungry? But if I believe I've got some solid ground, will I hear my blood to contend for it if it's necessary? That's up to you, child of God, not to preacher. The preacher's got to do that too. But if I'm called upon, I don't know if I will or not, but if I'm called upon, I hope that I'll give my blood to join these 50 million martyrs that's already gone to be of God. I believe there's a church of God in the world myself, and I believe God put it in care of the truth. I believe I belong to it. And I pray to God when I die that it won't be said to me that I told anybody it don't make no difference. Just accept Christ and let it go. So you want to live that kind of life? Look at that. You want to earnestly? Let me ask you this now. You be your own judge. At this moment, how sharp is your appetite for this word right here? Is my, is my uh, 35 or 40 minutes just talking about this activity of God sharpening your soul in the way of learning? Or is it so what? Do you want to be a Anna or a Simeon? Or you just want to wake up some morning and say, Lord, I know you're going to come, but I don't want to be bothered about it. I don't want to be thrilled about it. I just want to be worthy. Okay. I believe beyond any doubt in my soul I've told you the truth this morning. And I no doubt in my mind about it whatsoever. I ask you to believe it. I ask you not to waste your life in dabbing around and I'll talk about it. Eat upon it and tell somebody else about it and invite them to come to your church. Dear Lord, we're so thankful for your kingdom. We're thrilled to be having some insight to his value and his power. 
We pray, Lord, that you'll show them our appetite to where there will be powerful in your kingdom and that we might worship you out of our very soul for the fact that we're in the sphere of your kingdom by your miraculous work through the Holy Spirit of God. Help us to praise you now as we sing and listen to preaching. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And amen. Let's all get a book and turn to number eight. Number eight, O Worship the King. O soul, O worship the King of glorious above, O gratefully sing His power and His love, our shield and defender, the ancient of days, pavilion Lord, be 
Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share with a friend. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord.